Welcome back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, is my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. I know we've been on a hiatus here a couple of weeks, but we're back now. And Mark Anthony, psychic explorer, psychic lawyer, is kicking it off to finish out this uh, fantastic season for us with his new book, The Afterlife Frequency. Mark's been on our show several times now, uh, and he's touring the the new book, been on a lot of different shows. We're honored to have him with us this evening to discuss his new work. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Victoria. It's always great being back here on Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I, I love working with you guys. Oh, it's always oh yeah, fun yeah. To we have some fantastic <laughs> discussions. Yeah. Yeah, we, we always have a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's it's been very, very hectic. And I know, Mike, first off, I want to congratulate you on the launch of your new book, uh, The Alaska oh, Triangle. Um, I'm very proud of you. You're doing great. I uh, love your work. And, um, and I really like your documentary about the shadow dimension, especially episode one. Now, why is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in that one. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of that. Yeah, you're in the first two episodes. So, yeah, really appreciate it. Well, yeah, the, the, the thing the is, best. well, what the three of us have in, in common is that, yes, we're, we, we research different facets, if you will, of the paranormal, but we approach it through a scientific lens. And um, we don't jump to conclusions. And with with my book, The Afterlife Frequency, the reason that it's different from other books written by mediums is because I've started analyzing the different forms of spirit communication, which I call interdimensional communication. And I think that's you know a big part of what um, we talked about in the, the Shadow Dimension documentary. Yeah. And what I mean by that is is we live in the material world dimension and then the other side dimension is is another um another complete world if you will and traditionally mediumship visitations near-death experiences deathbed visions shared death experiences out-of-body experiences have all been treated separately and they're not mm -hmm. There is a similarity between all of them that involves energy transfer and frequency alignment, and all of them can be explained through sound scientific principles, and you know which, which is through quantum physics. So that's what I've done here is shown the commonality about how we in our material world dimension can raise our brainwave frequency to a higher level so we get a, a match with the afterlife frequency and that is the basis for these different forms of communication with the uh, with the spirits. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. And I've always appreciated, Mark, how you do take a more scientific approach to these matters. You know, you are, I mean, you're a psychic medium. Um, you go by the, the name Psychic Explorer, Psychic Lawyer, uh, give, given your background and the things that you've gone out there and, and done. Um, but a lot of times people, when they think of, psychic medium and i hate using this term but i'm going to use it think of you know woo woo stuff but yeah. you're not all you're not all the woo woo uh you get you know deep into a lot of these scientific facts and you blow my mind away a lot of times especially like you know when we had you on the shadow dimension and you're, you're getting into all these you know very specific things and it's like you know th this guy really knows his stuff you know where well it, my father was a nasa engineer and he was also a medium. My mother was also a medium. So I grew up with mediums as parents, you know, and, and they were anything but woohoo. You know, mom was a commercial illustrator, a fashion designer. Dad was a Navy SEAL who became a NASA engineer, you know, but, but um, at age three and a half, I started seeing spirits. And I remember mom going, oh, he's got it. And dad going, oh. He's got it. <laughs> well, they, they they were very concerned about um, about what could happen to me, and um, my father's sister. See, my mother um, was a medium, and her maternal grandmother, Giovanna, was a medium. And my mother's family came over from Italy. In fact, in 2016, PBS did a special called "The Italian Americans." And it was a two-night special, um, four hours total. 
they actually did a segment on my maternal great-grandmother and referenced her psychic abilities. She was known in the Italian community of North New Jersey and uh, in Little Italy in New York, the Soprano stomping grounds. <laughs> but um, she was known as the woman who knew things. And she was highly respected in the Italian community. And so the, so it was documented there. And through my research, I found that this goes back into the 1890s on both sides of the family. Now, my dad's family hailed from Pennsylvania. And they were very conservative, um, white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, I mean, big-time Protestants. In fact, his grandfather, uh, his great-grandfather, which would be my great-great-grandfather, founded the Baptist church where he grew up. And, but my dad's sister, Marjorie, his mother, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace, were all mediums. And so his sister, Marjorie, when she was in her probably late twenties, this is probably about 20 years before I was born. She was very, very um, sensitive spiritually and she unfortunately married this guy who was essentially a religious fanatic. And one day he was going to work and he worked at a steel plant in Pennsylvania and he was a machinist and she had this terrible feeling. She said that something horrible is going to happen to you. You cannot go. She didn't want him going. And he said, fine, fine. I'll stay home. Cause she begged him to stay home. Well, that day a crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams and the cable snapped and it crushed the machine shop and killed everybody in it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, reasons to assume he would have been there. Now, you would think that he would have been grateful, but he felt that what she was doing was evil and demonic, and he found wow. a psychiatrist to diagnose her as schizophrenic. She was forcibly removed from her home and then taken to a mental institution and involuntarily subjected to electroshock therapy for over six months. Oh, geez. And um, my mother was furious. Uh, she wanted nothing to do with uh, her brother-in-law. My dad couldn't stand the guy. And poor Marjorie, she never, never talked about seeing spirits again. And the thing is, I never met Marjorie in this world. And the story that I just told, I did uh, write in my last book, Evidence of Eternity. And, but in, in the afterlife frequency, my new book, Marjorie is back because when she shows up, she comes to me, I know something's up and I gotta be on my toes. And it's really cool because I remember when I was doing a reading for my dad a few years before he died, and I said, well, there's this woman coming through, and and uh, she was like white blouse, skirt, you know, real uh, tight waist, and she kind of reminds me of the, that movie star from a long time ago, Catherine Hepburn, real smart. He goes, my God, that's Margie. And and it just, um, ever since that time, she, she comes to me. And so uh, here I am, I'm three and a half years old, and I'm seeing spirits, and my dad was concerned. So when I was about to start school, when I was five, dad sat me down. He said, Mark, do not talk about this to anyone but your mother and I. You can tell us anything, but people who see things that other people don't get taken away. Well, that really scared me, and I didn't um, learn about what had happened to my aunt until, till, you know, 30 years later, probably. And so um, I grew up in the, an environment with parents that, that saw spirits. And so, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't weird. But as I got older, I started seeing that, gee, all the other kids' parents aren't like that. And, and the joke I like to make is I never resonated with the Brady Bunch. I sort of more did with the Adams family. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's, that's perfect. Um, so looking at your, your book, Afterlife Frequency, uh, you know, a number of the topics that you're, you're covering here, and again, you're taking a scientific approach to this, but yeah. you're delving into spiritual matters. So, you know, the afterlife, people that have had near-death experiences, um, you know, what is it, you're using the, the term frequency, uh, what is this resonance that we have that we're able to, uh, you know, 
tune into you know the other side or when we have when somebody has a near-death experience that they're able to you know see those glimpses of the afterlife what exactly is that it's everything that i explained is predicated on my theory uh, um, of the electromagnetic soul and in this book i introduce a lot of new terminology to take spirit communication out of the victorian era and explain it through 21st century science. Neuroscience is the study of the human brain, and neuroscientists believe, or or the official position, is that our consciousness, who and what we are, is a result of electronic impulses and chemical reactions within our brain. But they are completely at a loss how to explain the formation of consciousness. And the reason for that is because the brain doesn't create consciousness. It merely hosts our soul. And people of faith refer to consciousness, who and what we are, as a spirit or as a soul. So we know that the brain has an electrical field. We know that the brain has five different types of brainwave frequencies. And we know from the laws of thermodynamics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So I developed the term the electromagnetic soul to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness, that is eternal electromagnetic energy. So when we die, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, it, it, it leaves the, the brain and it plunges into this eternal sea of souls, which I call the collective consciousness. Now, so let's talk about our EMS. Let's say that um, you know, as a medium, I have um, I communicate with spirits, or let's say that somebody you love is dying and they start uh, terminally ill and they begin to talk about spirits that of uh, their loved ones that they're seeing, or you have a near-death experience, or you have a visitation, whether it's in a dream or you get the sense that there's a spirit around you, What's going on here, Mike and Victoria, is that the frequency of the EMS is elevating to a higher, higher vibration. And spirits who are in the afterlife frequency are able to lower their vibration. You get a frequency match. And, and there's the five types of brainwave frequencies are gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Uh, Gamma is super high functioning. The joke I like to make is that's Matt Amodio and Ken Jennings on Jeopardy. Okay, that's when you're running your brain at full throttle. Beta is the state that we're in now. We're having a conversation. We're awake. We're, you know, we're functioning. But it's when we slip into alpha. Alpha is like that meditate. I call it the groovy baby state, you know, because you start relaxing. <laughs> you know, you meditate. It's sort of like, you know, when you're drifting off to sleep and then you go into theta, which is the um, sleep state where dreams occur. Delta, uh, there's very little brainwave activity, but Delta is really important because that's where your body fights infections and you do cellular regeneration. So each of the five uh, brainwave frequencies is extremely important. It is on the alpha-theta border between those two frequencies that psychic and spiritual activity occur. Apparently spirits can spot that which is why the most commonly reported form of spirit contact reported for thousands of years. We see examples of this in scripture, in, in, and not just in the Judeo-Christian tradition, but in ancient Egypt, Greece, um, China, India, um, everywhere. Spirits can spot that. So when we're at that alpha-theta border, they bring their frequency down to get a frequency match. And you can tell the difference between a dream, which is all that surrealistic nonsense, and uh, I, I don't want to say nonsense, but you know it's very <laughs> unrealistic, in a visitation, because in a visitation, it feels real. You come out of it and it's like, oh, my God, I talked to my mom. Yeah, and I was just about to ask you, is... is is that how we get some of these uh well and i'll call them dream visitations because they'll happen in a dream but you know that no that actually happened even though it was like in a dream state i really did just talk to my grandparents exactly also um let me ask both of you ever have a dream and then what you dreamt came true oh yeah absolutely all the time Several except times. for this this last one where mike showed up in my dream but <laughs> 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 no. 
Washington. Nicole better not be watching this. No, no <laughs> it wasn't that kind of dream. No, no, no. I had a dream Sunday that it was Tuesday and Mike was waiting for me. I'm like, oh my God, but it was Sunday. But, but the thing <laughs> is, there's a reason why that happens. Electromagnetic soul. Everything mm -hmm. is made of molecules, which are made of atoms, which are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons. And then all of those are made of the most basic unit of everything, which is quantum. That's where the term quantum physics comes from, and that's electromagnetic energy. So everything at its most basic unit is electromagnetic energy. And quantum physicists theorize, and it appears, appears they're, they're getting closer and closer to, to getting a definitive answer on this, that on the quantum level, time as we know it does not exist. Past, present, and future are a very fluid and a very um, relativistic um, occurrence. In other words, that's why spirits can see the future, because they're electromagnetic souls. They're able to tap into this vibration to perceive events that you and I would call the future. And when you're in that alpha theta state, you are naturally tapping in to that subatomic quantum level, which is enabling you to discern future events. So that's what accounts for deja vu, premonitions, and those type of activities. And everybody is capable of this to varying degrees. So, sure. so these are some of the things that, that I explain in the afterlife frequency. Okay, I have a question now. Sure. Okay. Um, how do I phrase this? Uh, I work in a very technical, very serious, very you don't screw around job. So my brain is very square. But when I get off work, I'm in the woo-woo field and I kind of like it. And, <laughs> you know, non-hallucinogenic. But is that like a theta, uh, what do you call it? Uh, alpha. alpha theta? That because when I'm walking along, just last week, we went to some historical thing. And man, I was picking up messages and I was telling the, the, um, the head of historical society, he's like, really? And so I would tell him what happened. And I point to a picture and he goes, well, yeah, that's, that's what happened. So sure. The woo well, state is kind of fun. And how does that apply to rift? Because I never really, sorry. Rad, 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 sorry. The daydream <laughs> state It's the yeah. daydream state is yeah. see when you go into a daydream, you're drifting into alpha. Yeah. Because uh, I, I never really trusted because I would hear things all the time. And um, I did a past life regression not too long ago with Ariana and she's like, oh, yeah, you're you're connecting to the co collective consciousness. Yeah. And well, the collective consciousness is mm -hmm. is uh, the afterlife frequency is part of the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And well, all right. The raft technique. Well, I was trying to explain because I'm not trying to turn people into mediums. As so many of my colleagues are like become a medium, become a medium. Look, we're not all mediums like we're not all uh, professional baseball players. We're not all. Um, mathematicians on the level of Elon Musk. We're not all, you know, concert pianists. Yes, I can bang around on the piano, but do not expect Rachmaninoff to be coming out, of, you know, or Billy Joel for that matter. I mean, not, you know, it's just not going to happen. Be that as it may, I can still bang around on a piano so I can have the experience. Because um, as I explained, we all have the same physiology, basically. And there's, there's uh, two sections in our body which are um, highly sensitive to vibration and frequency, the pineal gland in the brain mm -hmm. and solar plexus uh, in, in uh, the top of the abdomen, which is the second most complex bundle of nerves and ganglion outside of the cerebral cortex in the body. And that's why you get those gut feelings. Mm -hmm. okay, women's intuition. You know, for, for guys, it's gut instinct, you know, because that's more... <laughs> That's more Harrison Ford. That's right. more, so, you know, more Samuel L. Jackson gut feeling. Because <laughs> what's happening here, you have this extremely complicated bundle of nerves. So, Mike, you're a parent, all right? Do you ever get a feeling yeah. something bad's going on with one of your kids, like they may be in danger or something? Oh, sure. And yeah. Well, do you think that's just a fluke? Absolutely not. You're picking up on it. And where do you feel it? You feel it in your gut. Talk to first responders. Talk to military OK, they'll all tell you, you got to trust your instinct. And then with the pineal gland, this gets really cool. And, I'm, and I know we've talked about the pineal gland on the show. It's about four, four or five inches behind the center of your forehead for our yoga uh, members of the audience. <laughs> 
That is the third eye chakra. And um, but there's a reason they call it the third eye chakra because the pineal gland regulates our ability to perceive light. It also regulates our brainwave frequencies. It produces the hormone melatonin, controls our circadian rhythms. And there is a British, um, a British German study and also a French Israeli study which located magnetite and calcite crystals within the pineal gland. Interesting magnetite hmm. electromagnetic properties. Yep. Yeah. So we have a radio station in our head because the first radios were chunks of quartz crystal with copper wire running low levels of electricity through it. All right. So this is all nice to, to explain. So I'm trying to figure out now, how do I explain this? How do I explain to people who are not mediums or psychics how they can get the messages from spirits? Because we're being bombarded by them all the time. So I'm working on my computer. I'm working on this book. Boom. Writer's block. Okay, when you hit writer's block, it's like useless. I just couldn't get through this. I was like, <laughs> oh, God. So I thought, all right, I'm going to go for a walk on the beach, clear my head out. So I'm heading down the driveway towards the beach, and all of a sudden I start getting cold chills and tingles. And I'm like, okay, okay, I know that's uh, electromagnetic energy. And I do an about face and instead go in the opposite direction and walk down this bike path near my house. I'm like, all right. It's about 11 in the morning. I see these two objects shining in the sun. And, and I walk up to them, and it's a nickel and a penny. And I go to pick them up, and both my parents have passed, and I hear my mom's voice. It's bad luck if they're heads down. And I start <laughs> laughing because oh, wow. that's, that's one of those Italian superstitions, you know. Then okay. I hear my dad's voice. It's money. Grab it. <laughs> and i got it in my palm hand i go oh six cents i go six oh. cents all right then cold children yeah. going off the charts okay and i'm like okay mom all right dad what are you trying to tell me and then my mind's eye i see my dad standing in the ocean holding this blue canvas raft that he used to have and he was a navy seal a scuba diver, diving in, you know, instructor, swimming instructor. He probably taught thousand kids to swim in his lifetime. And I go, <clears throat> raft. And then it hits me. Recognize, accept, feel, trust. I go, that's it. That's what they're trying to tell me. And I ran back home and writer's block on in like 10 paragraphs, flew out of my fingers, like within minutes. Awesome. And what they were doing is they were, they were showing me, this is the four steps. You have to learn to recognize the signs from spirits, the coins, their voices, accept it as real. I knew it was. Here's the hard part, the feel. Feel, don't think. When you start overthinking it or you start, cro I call it cross-examining the experience, boom. That's where it fizzles out. That's where most people go wrong. So you feel, feel without fear, feel, don't think, and then that will lead you to trusting the accuracy and the truth of the message. And you can apply raft, not just to situations like that, but also if you're trying to make sense of a near death experience of a shared death experience or more than one person experiences similar phenomenon um, during a, a, um, a third party's NDE through a deathbed vision, through uh, going to a medium and trying to understand what happened and i realized that the raft technique uh, works across the board with all the different forms of spiritual contact you know it's a lot like what what um, mike you and victoria do in paranormal investigations um and because i remember we had this discussion uh, i think it was a couple shows ago when when i was on this show about you're very good like you, you use the term coined the phrase ghostorian all right um a right. who studies hauntings but you don't go into an investigation with preconceived notions you apply the scientific method well the raft technique allows you to do this and once you start working with it it becomes second nature so that when you do encounter some type of spiritual anomaly or or energetic fluctuations you you let the situation flow so you can recognize it accept the experience is real, feel it without fear, and then trust the message. And so the RAF technique, um, I've introduced that 
um, in in a couple seminars uh, that I've given online, and you know, people are saying, "Yeah, that, that that's what's that's working for me." Yeah, because I could do that, but it was always the trust I had an issue with, and then I I recognized I I do certain things, I sway a lot, and I repeat things in threes, and so I noticed when I started doing that, and I would tell somebody what I hear, they're like, "Yes, exactly, that's it." So that's my cue. That's how I know how to trust now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we're we're our own worst enemy when it comes to <laughs> spirit community. Well, it's I mean, true. No, it's true. Well, you know, if you go around saying I see dead people, like you know, my my <laughs> aunt, she got taken away, literally. All right. They, yeah. They, oh, they, you know, um, yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's it's you know, it is. It's nothing I can do about it. It happened, you know, years before I I was even mm-hmm. born. And then, you know, people today, oh, you can't do that. I love when people, that's impossible. You can't do it. That's, and I go, well, by all means, please explain to me your vast knowledge of quantum physics, energy transfer, frequency <laughs> alignment, and the collective consciousness. By all means, please explain that to me. <laughs> you know, it's usually. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely fascinating. So <laughs> and we talked a little bit before the show that you're not going to tell uh, the story, but it is a fascinating story because I haven't had much time to, to dive into the, the book because I was on the road for a couple of weeks, ordered it while I was on the road and you know, it was there when I when I showed back up and then I had a, my own book release. Um, but the, the first chapter talks about synchronicity and all things in the universe being connected. And again, I know you can't tell the story. Everybody pick up the book. It's a fascinating story, chapter one. Yeah, what can you tell us about story, synchronicity? but I can tell a story that that flows from that one. Um, okay. In chapter one, um, it starts with a story um, of an adventure, for lack of a better term, that I had with uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, and um, involves my, my best friend, Billy. And I wrote about Billy also in Evidence of Eternity because I met Billy when I was 11 years old. And, and if you're lucky, you get one friend in your life like that. We met when we were 11. Our birthdays were a week apart. We went to junior high, high school, and college together. Um, after college, I went to law school, and he went to Asia. Little did we know, Billy was a linguistics genius. He learned to speak Japanese, Cantonese, Indonesian, and Thai. I mean, he just had this gift for, for languages. And he told me, he, he contacted me, says, Mark, you got to come to Asia. So, so I took like two months off and the law firm I was working at was having a real, you know, complaints about it. And uh, I'm really glad I, I followed my heart, not listening to them. And so we traveled through Japan and then through Southeast Asia. And since high school, Billy and I had this ongoing discussion about the afterlife. He was an atheist. Even though we had both been raised in in a in, in the Catholic faith, um, my family's view of Catholicism or Christianity was very broad. I mean, you can see in the background, I got you know crucifix, I've got Buddha. There's you know other religious symbols all throughout my house um, because we believe that God is God is God, and you know we just happen to culturally be of that religion. Whereas Billy was a hardcore atheist. But when we were traveling through Asia, every Buddhist temple, I was there talking to the monks and, and you know, getting into the whole, I just just love uh, having these theological discussions in Japan um, with the Shinto priests, which is a really fascinating religion. And I remember him saying, he said, look, he said, I don't know how you do the psychic thing. He goes, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in an afterlife but I still don't get how you do the psychic thing. And I said, well, it's real. He said, but Mark, there's no technology that can detect spirits, really. There's no science to prove this. So this was an ongoing discussion. And then a couple years after that, um, one of the happiest days of my life, I performed the wedding ceremony for him and his wife. Um, he met this Sweet. wonderful, incredible woman from Japan. And, you know, I get all choked up when I talk about this. I remember standing there as, you know, she's coming down the aisle and there's, there's uh, Billy. My parents were there, his parents, all of our friends from college. I mean, it was just, God, it was like the best day ever. Well, unfortunately, 
he grappled with depression and um, he died from suicide about three years after that. And even though I'd had some spiritual contact from him, which I, I referenced in Evidence of oh. Eternity, um, but a year after that, I was at a uh, paranormal convention at uh, the, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. And my first book, Never Letting Go, had just come out. And I had given my presentation. And then, you know, went into the, the big convention, you know, hall, and I'm signing books and all this. And my manager, Rocky, uh, she travels with me everywhere. And so Rocky is checking out all the paranormal investigation equipment because a bunch of the guys from TV were there and all this. So she's walking past this one table that uh, a guy named Chris is running, and it, it um, he was showing the spirit boxes. And she's walking by, and she hears, get Mark. So Rocky stops, oh. and she's looking at this thing. And and Chris is like, did that just talk to you? And it and it says get Mark again. And he goes, do you think he means your Mark, Mark wow. Anthony? And so I'm 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 signing books and I'm hearing Mark get over here and I'm looking up and I'm signing like, get over here. So I get up and there's this crowd forming and I run up, you know, and you know um, I I'm, I'm walking up to the table and before I could say anything I hear dude, and I stopped oh. and I looked at this because I knew this voice. And all of a sudden, I hear, love you, bro. Aww. Aww. And Rocky looks at me. She goes, dear God, Mark, that was Billy's voice because she knew him, too. And tears start coming out of me. And then it, and, and then and, and thing is, we grew up in the surf culture of East Coast Central Florida. He always called me dude and bro. And, and I remember at the Bangkok International Airport, I was going back to the States. He was flying to Singapore. He hugged me and he goes, I love you, bro. It was one of the last oh. things he ever said to me. And his voice came out of this machine. Now, I'm the medium, and I'm used to doing this stuff that freaks people out. But now it was happening to me. And then I started thinking about it. And, and this is um, a chapter in my book called The Unfolding. When you have a spiritual experience, you have the raft, you know, use the raft technique. Think of a spiritual experience like a flower. It blooms, blossoms, and unfolds. It can take hours, days, weeks, even years. And it dawned on me. He chose technology and science. The atheist chose technology <laughs> and science to communicate with me and to say things in, 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 in not only clearly, but where, where more than one person could hear his and identify his voice and that got the wheels churning that i have to write a book to explain how this happens why this happens and where this happens because that wasn't just a random spirit popping through this was part of a much larger picture to get me on the path to write this book Perfect. Oh, that's, that, awesome. that's a really special story, Mark, that <laughs> that it was your friend that basically set you on this path. Yeah. To write this. I mean, that That's just amazing. He was like um, my brother. And I can't believe I actually got through that without breaking down um, because, you know, we're so fortunate to have good people in our lives. Yes. You know, and, you know, we have the family we're born into and the family that we choose. And, you know, I mean, it's like someone I met when I was 11. OK, he was always there. And I remember like, at my mother's um, funeral, I saw him. He and his wife flew in from California. Uh, I, I was just I mean, now that's a friend. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I understand because I, I had the same thing happen when the ovulus first came out. I was at some little Paracon thing and they were passing it along and it, it said blue and whoever was holding it was like, oh, Jim's favorite color was blue. And I'm like, yeah, right. And they would pass it along and the next one would say bird. And, oh, he loved birds. I'm like, this is just woo woo. It got to me and it said Cheryl and that was my best friend. I was like, okay, somebody, somebody take this. You know? There you go, raft. 
-hmm. you recognize the sign, you accept it as real, you felt it without overthinking, and you trusted it. And see, that's how this works. it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean... And, and yeah. the thing is, the, these these things happen to all of us. The question is whether or not you're paying attention. So, so the, these are some of the things that I explained. That's an example of what I call spiritual situational awareness. Mm -hmm. Be aware of everything that's going on around you, not just in the physical sense, but also in the energetic spiritual sense as well. Well, for people who are aware and they don't want to accept it, how do you get them to, well, I know you can't force them, but how would you go about talking, <laughs> accept it? You know, how would you get them to, you know, open their minds and. Well, that's a personal choice. Um, you know, people, we're all on our own spiritual journeys. Mm -hmm. And just because somebody may not understand the, the, spirit contact on the level that we do it doesn't make us better or superior anyway oh, no. yeah we're just simply on a different path and different frequency it, it, different, <laughs> exactly different there frequency. you go well you know i mean here in in the west meaning the u.s um um europe we mm -hmm. question the existence of god the existence of the divine whereas in in a place like india um seeing god is part of your journey there, there's no there's no debate whether God exists. It's like developing your spirituality to actually perceive the divine. Mm -hmm. And um, I always found that interesting because I resonate more with that than I do with the, oh, we can't prove this. Yeah. You know, because, you know, people think that God is some neurotic white guy sitting on a throne with a scepter <laughs> smiting people. Like, oh, you're bad. You haven't tithed it enough. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's Jesus. a Renaissance painting. You know, that that's a right. human interpretation. And when you're dealing with spirit communication, the electromagnetic soul, how it relates to the afterlife frequency and is tied into the collective consciousness, what you will find is that we may not understand what infinity is, but we can realize that it's there. Mm -hmm. And Albert Einstein described this the best way. He said, a four-year-old walks into a library and sees all these volumes of books. And he knows that there are things written in the books and that people wrote them, but he doesn't understand what they are. Or the four-year-old. Right. Yeah. All right, well, I have some uh, questions here from the chat that I do want to get to, since we have about uh, 20 minutes left in the show. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. So this one is from Sarah Youssef. What is it about energetic frequency that transcends dimensions? Well, that's what energetic frequency does. Um, and that's what I, what I explain within the afterlife frequency. Also, um, you know, we all hear in Star Trek, you know, warp speed. Um, the Einstein-Rosen effect is about jumping from one dimension to another and there is a theory in quantum physics that we can eventually develop a vessel, a space vessel, that will generate a powerful enough energy field to not exceed the speed of light, but rather fold it, warp it. So that's where warp speed comes from. You know, we, we all hear about it in science fiction. But the other, the other side, the afterlife frequency, think of it as FM radio. We live in AM radio. Both of these <laughs> systems involve energy, frequency, and vibration, and they coexist side by side. So the other side, the afterlife frequency, is not some distant, nebulous um, you know, place orbiting Alpha Centauri. It's here. It, but it's in this fits into string theory that there's not one universe, but several universes, and within universes, there's dimensions. And so you have FM radio vibrating at this frequency, AM radio, and there are times the two frequencies overlap and there's spirit communication. Right. And that's where you start seeing and interacting with um, a lot of times. You know, I think we're seeing other moments in time. You mentioned, uh, you know, the time earlier not really existing and so that's been a fascinating topic for me to dive into um where you know i believe that time is you know running concurrently everything the past present future and so you described 
you know, perfectly, you know, what, what I kind of try to describe sometimes is that at some moment, you know, these two different moments are resonating at the same frequency and we get right. a glimpse of something at another point in time. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like the biorhythm, you know, cause okay. TV person here. Um, you know, FM is a faster, um, oscillation and the AM is real slow, but eventually the biorhythms cross too, you know, cause you have right. biorhythms. Those are your peak days to buy a lottery ticket or something, but yeah. <laughs> I know people are always like, if you're such a great psychic, why don't you get lottery numbers? Well, it's not like I haven't asked. Um, <laughs> Does it work? No. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is though, they may give me a sequence of numbers that are the winning numbers, but they don't necessarily yeah. tell us when. <laughs> right. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 11 years, cute. two days and five minutes from now. It's like. <laughs> Just keep playing them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> At some point, uh, we have uh, real quick here a five dollar super chat from Alex Lopez says, "Wow, great info, Mark." Thank so, you, uh, thank Alex. you very much, Alex. That. Absolutely yeah. appreciate that. Very kind of you. So, there's a question here from our uh, chat moderator Alina. She sent it to me uh, through our our messenger here, not on uh, YouTube. So I'll just read this. Uh, Alina says, "My question for Mark." I had an experience last year around this time of a hooded shadow person in my room. The energy I felt was like energy on steroids in dark. Is that common? Have you felt anything like it? You know, I've I've done readings for probably 15,000 or more people. And since multiple spirits come through, I've dealt with easily 100,000 spirits. And... It's easy for us to jump to conclusions if something appears dark and shadowy that it's evil. It's like, you know, people walk into an area where there's a lot of EM activity and they get cold chills and tingles and immediately assume it's evil. That's what's going on here is you're either interfacing with a residual energy echo because matter retains vibration. So say like you walk into a place where there's been a murder or you walk maybe into an Egyptian temple where there's been all sorts of things like Mike, Mike just did. okay and so you're picking up on that um and it's very easy to assume that this means it's dark and evil because the physiological response that you're experiencing is the same as the flight or fight response so that's why people immediately assume spirit communication is evil because what's happening is remember we have an ems electromagnetic soul we have a nervous system operates on electrical impulses and now you have an ems or a group of them from spirits and they're reaching out to you and when their energy field interfaces yours cold chills tingles okay and once you start doing the raft technique you go oh spirits communicating with me as opposed to ah <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> wait we're not supposed to do that oh man well, you know, it's, it's like we've seen a lot of the... Uh, um, um, the it's I'll, the woo-woo, you know? Well, it's woo-woo. Well, and, and I understand. People fear what they don't understand. Exactly. People right. fear the unknown. And so, when, you know, once you start analyzing this phenomenon, so maybe um, is that entity that you're seeing, is it hooded and dark, or is your brain filling in the blanks? And you have to be careful there, too, you know, because we all have the, you know, it's funny, like when you look at depictions of um, the ghost of Christmas yet to come in Charles Mm -hmm. Dickens, it's a hooded figure, which looks like the Grim Reaper. And then you look at the Dementors from Harry Potter. Okay, so you have this, this archetype that transcends, oh, and this has its origins in um, Karen, the boatman on the river Styx. Mm-hmm. Right. The yeah. Greece that would ferry souls from the land of the living to the underworld. So this is an archetype that we jump to conclusions about. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but I caution people just because they see something like that, don't... N- jump to the conclusion that it's evil. And if you feel like maybe it is, here's what you do. Envision a beam of white light, okay? 
I always tell people, you know, like on Star Trek with the transport, and I had people, I don't like Star Trek. All right, it's fine. I'll spotlight, all right? <laughs> Beam of white light and say, um, the white light of God flows through me, with me, and around me, and just fill the room with white light. Remember, spirits are not in charge. You are. Mm-hmm. You define the parameters of the contact, not them. If you feel that a spirit is is being intrusive, then you invoke the white light and ask them or insist that they leave and just envision the white light expanding, engulfing your room, your home, your whole neighborhood, okay? Um, you're in control. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. They think, well, I'm not in control. No, you're in control. Mm-hmm. Spirits are not here to frighten us. They are not here to control us. They are not here to tell us what to do. They will present suggestions and they will present guidance. We know the difference in the raft technique between um, like there's a lot of people out there, these so-called shamans that you know believe in you know inciting insurrections and and uh, twisted uh, you know members of religions that get morons to fly planes into buildings and and things like that. Those messages are not coming from the divine. Those messages are not coming from spirits. That's a person's ego. That is a narcissistic, ego-driven individual, ego, edging God out, who is looking for moral justification to commit acts of anger, bigotry, hatred, and violence. True messages from the divine, true messages from spirits, are about love, healing, peace, inner peace, and resolution. And that's the difference. So when you employing the raft technique, the reason that you trust a message is because it's love, healing, inner peace, peace, and resolution. And, and you know, I think it's important, though, that, that we make that distinction for people. Because, I mean, we're seeing this in all these crazy conspiracy theories that, oh, we have to do this and do that and kill this and that. No. That's not spirit contact. That's the human ego. That's not the spirit. That's the ego. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, I liked how you uh, you brought up the the Grim Reaper and, and Karen, because I'll get asked about the Grim Reaper with all my shadow person work, and um, I'll I'll just kind of it's kind of flippant, but I'm like he's a guy doing his job. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, Mike, you know, you've studied enough of the shadow phenomenon. Are they evil? You know, I mean, maybe some of them aren't warm and cuddly, but maybe it doesn't make them evil. You know, is is a shark evil? Is a bear evil? Or is it doing what a shark does or doing what a bear does? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So the raft technique, you, you can find that detailed in the afterlife frequency, correct? Absolutely. And I give um, some exercises people can do to develop that. And, you know, all of my my um, theories, all of my explanations are illustrated by by stories. I, I want this book to read like a juicy novel because I <laughs> I suffered through the most boring books in law school. Oh, my God. Um, uh, and, and then the practice of law. Yeah, I'm reading these opinions written by judges who maybe had sort of kind of brilliant legal minds eh. and uh, but with no <laughs> gift whatsoever for writing. And it's funny because I remember um, I, I discovered a judge and he's one of the greats. It was back, I think, in the 1920s, 30s. His name was Judge Learned Hand. Now, when you name your kid Learned Hand, they better go to law school and become, you know, <laughs> right. a judge. And and all I can think is he must have gotten beat up every day on the way home from school. But but Learned Hand wrote the most beautiful opinions. I mean, the guy really knew how to write. So here I am in the law library, and I'm studying federal basic income taxation. In other words, the Internal oh, Revenue Code. Exciting stuff. Oh, it's required because, you know, if you can get through this course, then you'll be able to read and understand a statute. And I remember one day I was just sitting there and my brain was ready to just close down. And I turned around. It was one of those. (laughs) And there's this book and it's and I and, and I pull it out and it's quotes from famous judges. And I open it up and it goes right to a page. And there's a quote from Judge Learned Hand. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, that the Internal Revenue Code is a fantastic labyrinth of cross-exception. 
no, cross-reference to cross-reference, exception upon exception that dance before my eyes in a meaningless procession. And I started laughing. <laughs> man, do I feel better about myself now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, I want to grab a uh, another question here from the, uh, the chat. And you were talking uh, spirit communication earlier. And actually, not too long ago. So, uh, Sarah Youssef with another question here. With spiritual contact, how do you develop your own spiritual language and communication? How do you know it's legitimate? Well, you do it enough and you start seeing reoccurring patterns and symbols. And, uh, you know, a symbol like, for, all right, we were just talking about a shadow mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. One, you know, Mike and I may look at it and say, okay, that's a shadow person. Someone else, ah, it's evil, you know. And, you know, you, you, when, when I have encountered shadow people, and the first time I saw one, I have to admit, you know, the Catholic in me arose, all right? And I got that cold. Right. And I, hold on, hold on. And then I discovered it wasn't evil at all. It was actually this young, young lady's grandfather who was reaching out to her. And that's simply how he appeared. But you'll see certain symbols. And uh, for people who have had readings with me, for example, if I see an apple, an apple can mean... Well, either you love or hate apples, but most people like apples. But apples to me usually mean the month of September, because for some reason I associate, you know, picking apples in September. But it can also mean someone who's a teacher. You know, you give a teacher an apple. And the other possibility, and this sometimes comes up, particularly when I see a Macintosh apple, that that person, that's the type of computer that they use. And people say, well, that seems like rather vague. Well, think of the sound there. Is it T-H-E-I-R? T-H-E-R-E, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. Now think about a sound that we use all the time that has three very different meanings. What about four? Is it F-O-R, F-O-U-R, F-O-R-E? Right. <laughs> okay. And it's the same thing in spirit communication. So the more you do it, you begin to notice patterns. And if, if um, a visual image appears in your mind or you hear a particular song or thing employ the raft technique recognize it accept it feel it trust it what does it mean to me and there's your answer fantastic one more question here from the chat uh, this is from julie claire what happens at death what role does ems play um, Julie, great question. That is a huge part of what I discuss in the afterlife frequency. Think of your EMS as a drop of water. And when you die, that drop of water leaves your brain and plunges into the eternal sea of souls that I call the collective consciousness. And so you maintain your individuality, but now you're linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits, linked to other spirits. You're basically patched into this cosmic internet. And the thing is, that's why when spirits come through, they're not limited to who or what they knew in this world. I I get spirits giving me medical information about people. And yeah, I have a basic understanding of anatomy and physiology, but I've had readings where they come through and start talking about these genetic markers and things like this that I don't understand. And I'm explaining it to the person. And then they, they get back with me. So we went to the doctor and they, they found exactly what came through. And that's because healing is a gift, gift from, from God, from the divine. Uh, I'm just the conduit. I'm just the radio. Okay. And so, so that's part of the collective consciousness and the EMS is part of that. So I hope that answers your question. So are you saying the collective consciousness is really the Borg? Mm-hmm. Well, the Borg... <laughs> kind of, well, because problem, it's all connected. It's all interconnected, but with um, the, the Star Trekian reference to the Borg, the individuals there were not individuals. They lost their individuality, whereas okay. the, the gift that we are all given is our consciousness, our electromagnetic soul, our unique sense of individuality and free will. So when we go into the collective consciousness, we're still individuals? We're not? We are still individuals, but we are interconnected. Yes. Okay. Cool. And and here's the thing. (laughs) Nobody has all the answers. I have insights. But with all the readings that I've done, and they've told me, you know, it's like, yeah, we're individuals, but it, it, it... the best I can say is they always say how wonderful it is and how it's really cool. And you get to learn all the stuff and the, the speeds that they move at 
and what they can experience are so far beyond anything we can even begin to understand in this material form. Okay, good to know. So we're, we're coming from this collective conscious into this body, which would be a vessel. And right. Upon death, we go, I'm knocking stuff over here. Uh, <laughs> upon death, we're going back to that collective conscious. What brings us back here? Do we know? Once again, I don't have all the answers because I right, no, this is this is going to be purely theoretical. It appears that we can experience things in a finite form that you can't when you're pure energy. Pure energy, it doesn't get old, it doesn't get tired, it doesn't get sick, it doesn't die. And in finite form, clearly we do all of those. And you know, my question is, well, why do we come here to suffer? And I've asked them, and they said that, why do you worry of such things? You need to focus on what you're doing where you are to learn the lessons that you are, you know, are presented with. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. You always say stuff like that. But <laughs> what, what, come on, come on, come on. And it appears to have a direct correlation, what we go through here, with the frequency that we go into when we leave this world. So as it's been presented to me that let's say uh you know osama bin laden and adolf hitler or some you know macabre you know killer is going to go into a much different frequency than you know mother Teresa, uh, you know is, or gandhi is going to go into um you know and i'm not saying that there's a hell or a heaven and that the frequencies that you go into are not a static place and the idea of multiple levels to the other side is is not purely my idea i mean all the religions sure. have these i mean i think islam has three different levels of hell um the the mormon the, the lds church has three different levels of heaven um, i've heard about seven levels of paradise the hindus have multiple levels um you know christianity uh you know there's heaven and hell but then there's purgatory there used to be limbo but you know it got canceled um so <laughs> when did that happen um, I think that was um, the Vatican II Council during their, the uh, tenure okay. of Pope John the Twenty Third, but um, at any rate, um, I was back in the sixties. Where have you been, Victoria? I've been out in the woo-woo. I mean, <laughs> but and, and the thing is, you know, in my state stuff like that, I always get emails yeah. from people. You're in and so I'm, I'm, I'm just making a point is that right. people who've been studying the afterlife for you know, for the last five thousand years have noted through their experiences and contact that there are multiple levels which we now would refer to as frequencies to the other side and so what happens with us here seems to have a direct bearing on the frequency we go to the other side so once again mike that's my opinion based on my research and you know, observations so is that the same thing as karma you, you you do your karma each time or this yes oh yeah okay. oh oh there's a lot the about book. karma there is a lot about karma in the afterlife frequency i was waiting for you to come to houston so i could get an autographed copy but yeah well, I, I will do my very best okay you know um well let's talk about that we got that you know a couple minutes left here in the show mm -hmm. so where all are you going to be and uh, where can people find you and of course where can they find the book the afterlife frequency um, well, you're welcome to visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com, and uh, you can purchase it there. The hyperlink will take you to Amazon. It's at all fine bookstores. You mentioned Houston, Body, Mind, and Soul in Houston, uh, For Heaven's Sake in Denver, East West Bookshop in Seattle, Aquarian Dreams in Florida. Uh, those are a couple of my, my favorite book bookstores, but uh, Barnes & Noble, all fine bookstores. And um, I do have a, a, a spirit communication event coming up Ooh. on Saturday, October 30th. It's a hallow, Mark Anthony's Hallow's <laughs> Eve spirit communication event. It'll be an online event where I'll be connecting uh, many of the audience members with their loved ones in spirit. And you can find out about that through going to my website or my Facebook page. Um, you can all get uh, to all that through through um, through my website, which is afterlifefrequency.com. Go to my calendar of events, click on the calendar, it'll show you there. And it's being sponsored by Bright Live. Um, they're, they're, they're presenting it. 
And that is going to be Saturday, October 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Mountain, and 4 p.m. Pacific. And um, I've been doing a lot of these since, since COVID. And people say, well, how can you do that? Why? Because electromagnetic souls and everything in the electromagnetic spectrum moves at the speed of light, which is the same speed as a phone call, the same speed as electricity, and the same speed that this show is being transmitted through on radio waves, all of which are different forms of EM energy. So there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for joining us again, giving us some insight into your new book, Afterlife Frequency. Everybody, pick this up. We have on uh, YouTube here, the link is down in the description to go ahead and grab it. And uh, for those of you that are listening later to the podcast or the syndicated shows that uh, will run on KGRA Radio and KPNL, uh, you can go to afterlifefrequency.com. So again, Mark, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Victoria. And thank, thank you, you everyone for tuning in. Many blessings. Right. It's always fun. <laughs> Have a great night, Mark. Thank you again. Thanks.